listening to Law and Gospel on Wednesday, October the 6th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. And the question I'm going to ask you, does God ever deal ill with you? Does God deal ill with you? Well, it comes about because of a particular Bible verse that Moses speaks about God dealing ill with him. So let's look at that context. It's Numbers chapter 11. We're going to begin with verse 4. Remember, they're in the wilderness, and a lot of the people had a strong craving, according to verse 4. And they wept and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now, the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of bdellium. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in hand mills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp on the night, the manna fell with it. And that all began when the people were complaining they had no bread. So God allowed manna, which means, what is it, to fall down on the earth with the dew. And when the dew went away in the morning, they were able to pick up the manna. Now, they ate that manna for 38 years in the wilderness because they refused to go into the land of Canaan. And I guess you can understand that people would get tired of the same item day after day. For example, I like ice cream. And sometimes I like butter pecan. Other times I like chocolate. Uh, other times strawberry. But to have a kind of a item of that every day, you sometimes get a little tired of it, and so you ask for a different flavor. Well, the people were weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And it says, the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Now, Moses was displeased. What do you think he was displeased about? You would say, if I was Moses, what is wrong with you people? First of all, you complained about being slaves in Egypt. And so through me, God brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then you complained when you hit the Red Sea because the Egyptians were behind you. So God opened up the Red Sea and you went through. Then you complained the Egyptians were following you through the open Red Sea. So God closed the sea and drowned the army of Pharaoh. Then you began to complain that you didn't have bread to eat. 
so God gave you manna, and you complained you didn't have enough water, so God had me strike a rock, and enough water came out to assuage all your thirst. So why are you angry? But is that why Moses was angry? And was it to the people of Israel that he was angry? No. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? Verse 11. Was he talking about? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get me to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us eat meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once, if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Have you ever felt that way? That God is dealing ill with you? I saw a movie recently, and it began with a lawyer, and his family, his wife and two children had died in a car crash. And he was in such depression that he was about to commit suicide. And just before he did, the phone rang. So he picked up the phone, and it was a friend of his, a judge, who had asked him, would you please help defend this individual who's been accused of killing his girlfriend. She was found dead in the car and he was wandering around and he can't remember anything. Well, the lawyer at first wasn't really that interested, but he went to see this defendant and agreed to defend him. Now, in the process of defending him, he had to figure out why the man could not remember what had happened when he was in the car with his girlfriend. And to make a long story short, he heard of this woman counselor, and she was supposed to be very good at helping people who had gone through great crises. So he went to her home, and she had a bunch of people in her home and was helping them get through crises that they had experienced. One lady said, well, my husband died a few months ago, and yesterday I was in the grocery store, and I saw a bag of candy that he really liked. I immediately broke down weeping and had to run out of the store. And the counselor said, well, grief is like a river. You cannot stop it by yourself. But with the help of God, that's quite possible. Now, that was a surprise to me that a movie was talking about the necessity of 
trusting in God in order to get through crises in your life. Well, the movie went on, and finally the lawyer was able to show that the defendant had not killed his girlfriend. They pointed to another person who had, and the defendant was let out of jail. And the last scene has the lawyer again back at this woman's house, only he's talking. He says, I was about to commit suicide until I realized I had to stop asking God why. And when I stopped asking God why, because there's no answer sometimes, I began to understand that I was still alive. And I was meant for the purpose of helping defendants who needed help. I thought that was a really good point to make, that a lot of times we're depressed because we're asking God, why did this happen? Remember the first words of Moses in verse 11. Why have you dealt ill with your servant? We're living in a world today where a lot of people have left the word of God and they now see nothing wrong with abortion, with divorce, with immoral lifestyles, etc. And they may be asking, why have you dealt ill with your servant in giving us these opportunities to go against your word? Is it that you want to kill us? And a number of them commit suicide because they are so upset over the lifestyle that they are following, particularly when the church speaks against these immoral lifestyles. And so they don't come to church anymore. The problem is they keep asking God, why? Now, this happens even among pastors. I know of a number of pastors who have been removed from the ministry because they were fooling around with women in their congregation. And when these kinds of things happen, there are negative consequences that occur. And so a lot of times they're asking, why am I no longer in the ministry? And that's because that they have fell prey to the temptations of Satan. Moses should have been critical of the people in demanding from God that he take care of them when he already was really taking care of them. And that's why the anger of the Lord was against the people. But Moses was displeased, not so much with the people, but with the Lord. He says, how am I going to get meat to give to all this people? Because they're weeping before me. Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. 
So he even kind of wishes that death would come to him so that he would not see his wretchedness. Now, what does he mean by wretchedness? That's the complaints of the people that he is leading. And how many times have we felt that way? That God is dealing ill with us. Well, what we need to remember is the ill isn't coming from God. Not to make us ill. Not to deal improperly with us. The devil will put us in an ill situation, but God never permits that not to work out to our good. Look at Job, lost his family, lost his possessions, lost his animals, and even his wife said he should curse God, but he never did. And he heard from God, and finally he confessed, I've spoken twice, but now I will keep my mouth closed because he recognized that God was taking care of him, even though he was going through what considered to be ill with his servant. Remember some of his friends said, and this is a law gospel thing, well, you're receiving this ill because you have not obeyed the Lord. It is kind of a punishment from the Lord. You have to figure out where you disobey him and straighten up your life. Job would not believe that he had a God like that. And so when God spoke with him, what did he do? While he was still ill, guess what? He repented. That's the goal of whatever is happening to us, that we repent of our sin. In a sense, John the baptizer was sent to the world in order that he might prepare the way for Jesus. How did he do that? He preached a baptism of repentance, showing people where they were sinning, where they did not realize they were sinning. A lot of people today feel that way. For example, even if you ask Christians, which is worse, your sins of deed or your sins of thought? And many of them will say, well, your sins of deed are worse because you plan on doing that, whereas the thought just comes into your mind and you can't stop your thoughts. Well, the Sermon on the Mount destroys that notion. It says very clearly, Jesus says, that sins are not only those of deed, but also of thoughts and words. That's why we confess in our liturgy, we have sinned by thought, word, and deed. And all of them are equal in their consequence, namely that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. 
And, and that's why we think God deals ill with us when we're having misfortunes or crises. But he's not. He's using those misfortunes in order that we may look to him for salvation, as what happened to Moses. That was a wonderful, actually, attitude that Moses went through, that Job went through, because God still was going to take care of him. In fact, the way that God answered Job, who says, why have you dealt ill with your servant? It's in verse 16 of Numbers. And what it says is very, very important. In Numbers 11, verse 16, the Lord says to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and the officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. Now see, there were so many people, so many Israelites who had left Egypt that they were divided into groups and different, well, sons of Jacob, different tribes. But over the tribes, there were elders who would try and help them out. They were to come to the tent of meeting, which is the holy place where God would speak. In verse 17, And I will come down and talk with you there. I will take some of the spirit and he's referring to the Holy Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. So it's kind of like if somebody owns a construction company, you rarely see that person putting brick upon brick, or pouring cement. No, he hires workers. He directs the work. But a lot of times, he himself is not doing the work because he has helpers in order to bear the burden of construction with him. So he is not doing it alone. And that's what God did with Moses. So 70 elders were chosen from among the people, and most of them came to the tent of meeting and received a portion of the spirit that was upon Moses. But two of them, Eldad and Bedad, they didn't make it to the tent of meeting, and yet the Spirit was still upon them, and they began to prophesy in the camp. And believe it or not, people close to Moses said to him, Stop them, for they were not at the tent of meeting. And Moses disagreed, saying, No, if the Lord has given them the Spirit, that is good. 
In fact, that happened in the New Testament where John, a great disciple of Jesus, complained to Jesus, we saw a man who was exercising demons out of the demon possessed using your name, but he is not among us. So we told him to stop. And Jesus reprimanded, reprimanded the disciples for trying to stop the man, saying, if he is doing it in my name, he will not be one who will speak against me. For those who are following me, even if they are not within the group, are definitely part of my disciples. And so Jesus did the same thing that Moses did in saying that the Spirit falls upon those whom God so selects. Now, how does that happen today? Who is helping Jesus today? It is pastors, pastors in the Holy Christian Church who are given the ability to teach and to lead people according to God's word. But it's not just pastors. Uh, remember that when a marriage occurs, the husband, who is the head of the household, also has the task of making sure that the family follows the will of God in baptizing children, in bringing them to Sunday school, to confirmation, to church, raising them in the admonition of the Lord. And why is a parent given that responsibility? Because in a fallen world, one needs to have authority or else things just get really messed up. Can you imagine going to a meeting that has two chairmen? I mean, which one are you going to listen to? How's the meaning going to be directed? And so the husband is given the task of being head of the household. I was in a congregation for a number of years where a family, either the husband had left or there was no father that was with the family. And many times the women had to take up the task of bringing the children into the learning and admonition of the Lord. And in that congregation, they did a very good task. They were substituting for the husband or father who is no longer with the family. And when it says that a wife should be subject to the husband, it's only referring to being subject in the sense of following the will of God. A wife does not obey the husband when he says what color a room should be painted or what groceries to buy, etc. She is free to do as she needs to do. But also, she is to obey the husband when it comes to spiritual matters that God has so counseled 
in Holy Scripture. Because the husband, the pastors, and the church are really those that help bear the burden of the family so that no one bears it alone. And that's why it's such good news to hear that God never deals ill with us. It appears at times that he is dealing ill with us, but it is because we're forgetting his promises that he will never give us a temptation beyond our ability as we turn to him to endure, providing even a way of escape, and that all things will work to our good. This is a God that is the true God, the Holy Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is with us. As Jesus says, I leave another comforter with you. So it's important that we take a look at the church. Right now, we have a big question about the virus that's in the world. Are we to take the medicine? Can we refuse it? Well, the president of our synod has come out with a wonderful letter expressing thoughts from a biblical point of view. And with Wes Reimnitz, we're going to talk about his letter on the next Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.